you are listening to the Blue Nation podcast. Hello and welcome to the second ever episode of the Blue Nation podcast. This is a reminder that we're still in early stages of development, so we're still trying to work things out and they won't be perfect to start off with. Sometimes it'll be just me, and sometimes we'll have special guests on for debate. On the agenda today, we'll be discussing Diane Abbott's recent tweet, the billionaire space race between Jeff Bezos and Sir Richard Branson, a new better union for the UK, and the fall of the Northern Irish party, the DUP. So let's get on with the show. So the first topic we're discussing today is Diane Abbott's recent ludicrous tweet and how it is damaging to Labour. So I've got it up here, I'm going to read it out to you. So she replying to a fellow MP, she says, my colleague is exactly right. UK Labour is not unionist. We take our lead from our sister party, the SDLP, who are Republican and pro-Irish unification. And my response to that is, what? She is claiming that Labour are anti-unionist. That's just simply ridiculous. If Labour doesn't have enough problems, if you doesn't have enough gaffes, such as the Labour numbers one and the police numbers that famously, but for her to claim this, to be pro-Irish unification, to have the opposition party, a party that has ruled the UK for many years uh, in the past to claim this, this this is ridiculous I can't believe she's <laughs> went and said this and don't get me wrong Labour doesn't operate in Northern Ireland or if they do they're on a very on a very small scale but still it's political symbolism and she cannot be saying this and Labour is already struggling around the country from Scotland to Wales to England to Northern Ireland uh, and Northern as I said, Northern Ireland still have an opinion on Labour now they will very much shape the direction of Northern Ireland but she cannot be saying this and if she's anti-unionist there's a good uh, obviously links very heavily to the Scotland debate and this is part of the reason why Labour really struggle in Scotland because they're really hostile to commit to pro-unionism they're very much more leaning to the SNP they're not taking this firm stance like the conservatives are and that's why the conservatives are doing so well in Scotland 30 years ago thinking they'd be above Labour you'd be laughed at and look where they are now and Labour just struggling they'll continue to struggle in the devolved nations apart from Wales and but, you know, Labour has an important role to play, regardless of whether you're a Conservative or a Lib Dem supporter or a Green Party supporter, whatever you are. All British parties, if they're not, separ- uh, if they're not pro-separation, need to oppose pro-Irish unification because it's not what the Northern Irish people want. It's about 56% want to stay in the UK at the moment according to the polls and they should we should be honoring that at the moment we shouldn't have 
the former Shadow Home Secretary claiming to be pro-Irish unification. It's just simply ridiculous. It boggles me because, you know, a loss of any nation, whether that be Northern Ireland or Scotland or England or Wales, would be detrimental to the UK. We can't allow it to happen. And for us to take the stance, it just, yeah, it's ridiculous. And any hope of Labour trying to raise their votes keeps on getting squashed by moments like this, by policy decisions. And it's going to be hard for them to get out of this situation. They're going to have to do something good. And they're going to have to stop doing stuff like this. So, yeah, leave your opinion on this <laughs> on Twitter or in the comments below. Now, the second topic for today is the billionaire space race, which has been well publicized between Jeff Bezos and Sergey Branson. So, in one week today, Sir uh, Jeff Bezos, CEO of Amazon, has is going to space. Essentially, that's what he's doing. He's going with his brother, um, an eighty-two-year-old woman, and a few other pilots. And Sergey Branson on Sunday beat him to it. And we know that he's been very keen on Virgin Atlantic being innovators and being one of the leaders of space tourism. And this is a key step towards it. And this is something that I believe is very important. While not all the world is fully developed, every nation needs to constantly be leveling up. It's uh, going to be hard for us to level up altogether. That is simply not possible. And we must develop to, for society to work. And space tourism is a great example of that. People to go to space, like, you know, and don't know when I was watching a broadcast uh, before the England game, I was thinking, Jesus, this, this is scary. I couldn't do that. But the fact is, in the future, there will be space tourism, whether that's 10 years, as they hope, or whether that's in 100 years. It's going to happen at some point. And offers commercial business. It offers lots of money and opportunities. It's great advances for the human race. But... This is the key point. Many people are do not like this idea of billionaires spend their money to go to space. And there's two points for you that I have. The first one is there have been some allegations of tax avoidance from Amazon and from uh, Virgin Sir Richard Branson himself. Uh, quite a lot more for Sir Richard Branson. Um, but and many people don't like that. They feel as though they've been cheated out of their money rather than that money going to services to help, you know, the working and middle classes and upper classes as well, they're instead going to space with it, which many people do not like. Um, and especially with Sarah Branson, he was recently asking the government uh, for loans to help him, to help Virgin and his various businesses uh, as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, which didn't give him. Yet yeah, now he's going to space. So he's a very much a hypocrite at that moment. And um, so that's my one point of view. And then my second point is it's their money. They can do what they want with it. If they want to do that, no issue. Like, I know uh, if the allegations aren't true, and especially for um, Jeff Bezos and Amazon, he's offered value to lots of people. And with that value, imagine what Amazon 
uh, imagine if it didn't exist today, like, you know, having that online business. I know it's a lot of high street shops, but what it's been able to do, uh, it's really improved the economy. It's really improved society as a whole. And he sent some of money of that hard-earned money that he's worked hard for. And if he wants to spend on going to space, then let him. No problem. No issue. And there's many people online uh, that sort of tax the rich or more eat the rich um, movement online. And a lot of it stems from jealousy. A lot of it does uh, actually, and most of it, to be fair, comes from people thinking that, well, they have lots of money. They should be paying for more services. They should be paying more tax because that would really help us. However, um, a lot of them is simply because of jealousy. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a rich person. I'm not upper class by any means. Uh, but, yeah, that's what that's my thoughts on it. What do you think of it? Just put it down below. There's many different debates about it, especially on social media, on like the Twitter, Reddit. Yeah, they don't really like it so much. Um, so try and stay away from them if you have more conservative views. <laughs> okay, now it is time to move on to the next topic for today. And that is something that I support very much a new better union for the UK, known as CANS UK, which stands for Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and UK. The second coming of the British Empire, some have called it. Um, so what essentially is, many people have likened it to the EU, uh, but really it's, it wouldn't be the same level of the EU. And it's this trade union, a proposed trade union between those four aforementioned countries. And... Obviously, it's going to have links to EU, and I'll explain why it is unlike it and why it is much more beneficial for us and how we wouldn't fall into the same tracks. So, CANS UK would offer frictionless trade between these four nations. And with the UK leaving the EU, there have been some, I personally believe that so we have more power now, but uh, to be part of that single market, that strong uh, economy and market, it's going to, you know, that's going to take a little bit of a hit. So it would be if we have CANS UK, this market between these countries, which speak the same language, unlike Europe, which speak about 27 different languages solely within a union, where they are all of the same development and economic status, They're all very well wealthy and developed countries, Unlike the EU, which have some poor countries like Poland or Estonia, compared to like so Germany or France, which who are a lot more wealthy. And so this would be a lot better for us. And we can have a defense and army correlation and co-alignment. We can have more trade between us. We share so much history together for, after all, the Queen is the head of state in all four of those countries. People don't actually know that the Queen is still head of state in 15 different countries at the moment, including the UK. So it's still crazy. So she, in fact, um, the jour rules Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and a couple other countries, um, of course, 
in practice she doesn't but yeah we do have lots of history together and one of the big critics of this it's not like the eu when we're you know directly next to each other that will spread out around the globe and it would be a bit harder to trade but as the as the world develops shipping routes uh, are improving lots it's a lot faster to trade it's going a lot more a lot more avenues to do it so this shouldn't really be a problem and this can and also one of the big critics of it what if we fall in the same traps as the eu what if we fall into a place where immigration is rising in the uk as a result of it and that wouldn't happen I'll explain why if we were to do that and have because one of the proposed um points of county uk is freedom of movement and it would allow people from the uk and all the other countries to live wherever they wanted and work wherever they wanted within the union this trade union and it perhaps could go to a political union if the appetite is there if people want to do that so that'd be great uh, in my opinion but we're not to that stage yet uh, it's still in very very early form in an early form um but if we had this freedom of movement the net migration wouldn't be uh, altered simply because the same people that are moving out of the uk that emigrate now would be the same as those immigrating in simply because we have the same economic status and this is what it was like in the early days of the eu there wasn't much uh, immigration coming in that wasn't a main issue it was more about the markets in the 1976 eu referendum however when more eastern bloc countries started to join this stopped and many people changed their minds on the eu and that's why that's one of probably the main reason why people voted to leave the eu in 2016 but this trade union so it would offer people to move frictionally between different countries trade would massively increase and we could have different projects much like how the eu have and we speak the same language so it would be much better we can develop new uh, innovative technologies and companies and it would be very beneficial for all four nations and it would further support and cement our past our proud history uh, let's be honest our history in the uk isn't flawless it isn't red and rosy but there are lots of good parts about it and the cans uk would be a new step in a better future for us all thank you and now on to the next topic we are going to discuss the fall of the dup so the dup have had a bit of a nightmare recently most in the last few months but over the last few years they have so in between 2017 and 2019 under the theresa may administration uh the dup were supporting the government and the government made many concessions to them and that was very beneficial for them that really uh, bolstered them in the polls because they could have a direct impact on northern ireland and they were the kingmakers and the conservatives relied on dup support after theresa may called an election and they lost their majority however following 2019 well following yeah 
Following that election, they really went downhill after Conservatives gained lots of votes. And they can only sit on uh, eight MPs, I believe it is. Let me, I think it's, yeah, I believe it's DP MPs. Just going to search up. Uh, I can't seem to find it. Um, one second, let me get this up. So, and they're really struggling recently. And uh, they've had three different leaders last few months. So Arlene Foster, who was the first minister, has been forced to resign due to the Northern Ireland Protocol. It wasn't exactly because of that, but really it is because of that. And Northern Ireland Protocol, the main issue with it, that's really been neglected by the government because they were so desperate to get a free trade deal uh, because it was leading so close up to the deadline with the EU, um, that they agreed to this Northern Ireland Protocol, but it needs to end. It's causing big troubles in Northern Ireland. There's fears that it could escalate into the events seen in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And the government, the British government, needs to find a solution to this with the EU. And if that's a unilateral approach, we need to do that for the safety of the area. And DEP, uh, Arlene Foster, was believed to not be as strong on this issue, not being as forced on the UK government, so she was forced to resign. And then they and then they um, appointed Edwin Poots as the leader. And that has even been, that's been more of a disaster. And same issues, Northern Ireland Protocol. So after a few weeks, he's been forced to resign. And now... Sir Geoffrey Donaldson is the leader. So we're going to see what's going to happen with that. But the DUP risk having an ultimatum placed upon them, an ultimatum ultimately for the unionist movement. And one of the these reasons for this is the shift in voters. The voters, the more moderate ones, are moving to alliance, which don't have an, um, they don't have an opinion on the unionist or Republican movement. They're sort of in the middle. Uh, they're more focused on economic issues around Northern Ireland than the political status. Because uh, Northern Ireland splits two different factions when it comes to voters and parties. So there's the parties that are focused on uh, geographical alignments, such as DUP, Sinn Féin, uh, the TUV, and then but that's the unionist versus Republican movement. However, and then the other side is the more economical movement who do have an opinion, uh, but are more focused on economic issues such as the UUP or the SDLP or the Alliance. Um, but many voters are moving away from the DUP. So we've got it up here, their results in the 2019 election. And they received eight seats. Yes, eight seats. However, since then, they have decreased a lot in terms of voter approval and polling numbers. And so, as I say, the more moderate voters have went to Alliance and the more hardcore voters have moved over to the TV, which are a bit more of a hardcore section of the unionist movement. And this fractures the unionist vote. And as a result of that, as it stands, it will be there will be 
a Sinn Féin First Minister. So in Northern Ireland, due to the power sharing agreement, you have a First Minister and a Second Minister. And they're meant to have the same, uh, and they do in fact have the same powers and the same level of responsibility. However, the First Minister, it's political symbolism. Whoever's the First Minister does have a lot more. Yeah, it's a lot stronger to be that in that position and over the last 25 years it's been the DUP having a first minister and Sinn Féin having the second minister however as it stands in the next election unless something drastically changes Sinn Féin will have the next first minister and it will be the first ever first minister as that's part of the Republican movement since the Northern Ireland Good Friday Agreement. Now this is absolutely disastrous and simply risks Northern Ireland's integrity within the UK and this cannot be allowed to happen. So the DUP really needs to spend some time recouping and the government, the UK government, does have a big part to play in this because they and us do not want to lose Northern Ireland, and Northern Ireland want to stay in, how that can easily change, and they want to avoid the troubles. They need to score that Northern Ireland protocol, and this, the EP need to regroup or they need to die, one of the two, to save Northern Ireland, to save the UK. And they've had a very long, drawn-out death over the past few years, but it's coming to an end soon, and to avoid that, they need to change rapidly. And it would be devastating if Northern Ireland left the UK or be even more devastating if the troubles uh, resurfaced, which nobody wants, absolutely nobody. So thank you for watching the second ever episode or listen to it if you're watching as a podcast. Uh, episode three is out now as we speak. So I hope you enjoy it and stick around for the future. So until next time, goodbye.